Tono's going to read for us our scripture this morning from James. Buenos dias, iglesia. Good morning, <laughs> church. We're going to read in James chapter 3, uh, verse 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the weakness of meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harpet of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Gracias, Señor, por esta mañana. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. And we're so grateful that we can get together and praise you and bring also our offerings to you, our ties to you. We understand that everything we have is from you. Thank you for your blessings. And from our hearts, we want to give you this morning from the abundance you have been given to us. And thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us and for make us your sons and daughters. We're grateful. Receive this offerings in your name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Good to see you. Thanks, kiddos. Thanks for teaching us some things. And Andrea, great job. You're a preacher. Way to go. Yeah. So, yeah, we are studying God's word. We believe in that here, to hear from him, to set out, to learn it, and then to do it. That's what we try to do. That's the book of James as he's been teaching us. And uh, we want to take a moment, too, and say uh, happy Memorial Day weekend. And we're so thankful for those who have laid down their lives that we can be here. And we can be here freely and we can worship. We can enjoy and love Jesus. And people have paid a price for that. And we're thankful for them. So uh, let's, let's walk in, in the joy of those. And we're going to look at Christ and how ultimately and finally and infinitely more so did this for us uh, as we talk this morning. But let's not forget to say thanks to, to those that are serving in our military these days. You know, I've been reading a book um, that's about Antonin Scalia. And he was a, a Supreme Court justice. And, you know, I, I like lawyers. Isn't that a little strange? I'm kind of drawn to them. And... Uh, you know, I think maybe secretly in my heart I wanted to be one or something, you know, but God called me to something different. But he was a Supreme Court justice um, and was put on the court in 1986, and he got a vote in the U.S. Senate of 98 to 0. Like today, you just don't believe that, right? 98 to 0. And famously, he was very, very good friends with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They were buddies. Check it out, right? And by everybody's estimation, conservatives and liberals and moderates, he was a brilliant judge and a very wise man. And, uh, and he taught us a lot, I think, about how to read the Constitution, but how to read literature as a whole. What was the author trying to tell us? That's a good way to read the Bible, by the way. 
But how do we become, the, the, what we're working at in James here today is how do we become wise people? How do we become a wise man or woman or child? And verse 13 in our text, the first one this morning tells us, who is wise and understanding? Who is this wise person? And the answer is this, by his good conduct, let him show his works. And so how do you identify a wise person? It's by their life and how they live. Another translation says, by their steady goodness. That's a good instruction for us. We, let's be steadily good people. That's what wise people do. So how do I live life well? And there's two ways to do it that's laid out constantly, really, throughout all of Scripture. I think of Psalm 1, which says there's the righteous man and there's the ungodly man, and these are the only two ways to live. Well, there's also two types of wisdom that Andrew already talked about. There is godly wisdom, and then there is earthly wisdom. And so let's just look at those two this morning and uh, see how we can apply it to our lives. Let's begin with earthly wisdom. It says in verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. So worldly wisdom and earthly wisdom is rooted in selfishness, selfish ambition, and it results in disorder and vile practice. Okay, we're going to look at, at godly wisdom in a moment, and it also has a root and a result. But this one, the root is selfishness, and the result is disorder and vile practice. Now this person's life who practices worldly wisdom is focused primarily on themselves and exclusively what brings benefit to them. They say in their hearts, I am the center, right? I am God. I, I was yesterday walking through a, a little market and it said, a, a little post, it said, believe in yourself. You can do anything if you believe in yourself, right? That's, that's sort of the world's way of looking at it right now. This is, their aim is to gain advantage and prestige for themselves or for the group that they are a part of with very little concern for others. That's worldly wisdom. It's a taking mentality. It's a using others. It's sometimes abusing others to their own personal selfish ends. That's worldly wisdom. And it says here that it is what naturally comes out of us. It's the natural response. It's earthly and unspiritual. It's the human default setting without effort or without discipline or without accountability or without a significant heart change. This is what we all naturally do. Every one of us. Human beings unchecked are entirely selfish. We just got to spend some time with our adorable grandchild here this last weekend and um, he's beautiful. But he is also kind of entirely about himself. <laughs> right? He doesn't turn to us and say, how can I serve you today? <laughs> right? Because we're born this way. But what it really is, you kind of say adorable in a one and a two-year-old. But then sometimes it stays that way into adulthood. Right? And it's not so adorable then. Right? And so this is the natural default of the human heart. And we can read the world's news and listen to the world's news and see it on the internet. And uh, it shouldn't shock any of us. Uh, Psalm 53 says that no one does good, not even one. No one seeks God. 
all are corrupt. And, and have you noticed, in fact, it's, it's so bad, it's this way. Things that are good are now called evil. And things that are evil are now called good. Have you noticed this? It's just crazy to me. This is what our world does. It flips it around. It's natural. It's the opposite. That's right. It's wrong. But it says, and this is what Andrew pointed out, is that when we are this way and we're about our own selfish ways, that then we become jealous or we become bitterly jealous. See, we like to be on top, our selfish selves, and we're upset when we're not, and we quietly cheer, don't we, when someone else is crashing and falling and feeling a little better about ourselves and their failings. This is what the natural human heart does. And all of this then, it says, results in disorder and vile practice. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. When everyone, surprise, surprise, is focused on themselves and not thinking of others, it leads to disorder. In fact, the word here, disorder, really is speaking of political turmoil. Isn't that interesting? Um, the gospels speak of and use this word as wars, nations warring against each other, that nations fighting for their own perspectives and political leaders with their own political ambitions doing just what they want for themselves leads to disorder in the world. Surprise, surprise, right? Russia comes to mind with a leader who's selfishly ambitious and great carnage and death and hunger and abuse and destruction ensue. This is what's being spoken of here. You know, and, and it's interesting, the framers of our Constitution, hundreds of years, 300 years ago-ish now, coming up on, <clears throat> they understood there was a great Christian influence in these days, and they understood that the citizens of this great nation would be sinners and would need checks and balances. That's why they, we have a checks and balance system, to protect us against ourselves. It's brilliant, actually, and has held the course of time. But James is not just thinking of politics and nations. He's thinking of the church when he's writing this to us. That in the church it can become filled with disorder and vile practice. The turmoil can ensue in the church when everyone wants their own way. And everybody is focused on their own agenda. Because we have this natural heart in us to fight for our, just our own selves, not thinking of others. I, we've seen it in churches over the years. I've seen churches fight ferociously over all kinds of silly things, from music to dress to TV to power. I've even seen a business meeting where people were picketing in the back of the worship center for their position during the meeting. Okay? This happens in the church. And this is why we must be driven by a common purpose outside of ourselves that Paul speaks of in Philippians 2. He says, please make me happy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love and being in full accord with one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition. There's that word again. But humbly count others more significant than yourselves. And so we call ourselves to something much bigger that is from God, we call it real life transformation and real life multiplication, where we seek to help others grow to become like Christ, that's transformation, and then to teach others to do so. 
to make disciples who make disciples. And when we serve this bigger purpose that's from God and bigger than ourselves, it unites us. But we also know that this can happen in the church, that there can be fighting in the church. And so we have actually, by God's guidance and his word, it's wise, a plurality of elders that hold each other in check. We have a church leadership team that we're accountable to as staff and as elders. We have a staff that's accountable to each other and and works on accountability monthly together. And we are accountable to you for our lives. And it protects us from this natural, selfish part of us that can easily come out even as leaders. And James warns us that if we don't keep this in check, it becomes vile. That's a nasty, foul word where a church with people who are not accountable and sinful ways are allowed to exist and go on unchecked and underground in a church, it leads to a big disorder and vile mess. And many of you are probably aware within our denomination here over the last several months, there's been a, an investigative report that just came out this last week of sexual abuse in our denomination that is actually vile and sickening. Um, and things that have made us very, very sad. Behavior that really isn't surprising in light of the texts of Scripture, and yet a leadership that did not check it and let it go, and let it go underground and travel for years. And it leads to this very sick and vile situation. But thankfully, people are bringing it to the light now and checking it, And we're making steps as a denomination and rechecking ourselves as a church to protect ourselves from letting what this text is warning us about. This can happen in the church. We have to be alert to it. But the point here is, look where this earthly wisdom goes. To let our natural selves just live our lives out goes to disorder and every vile practice. So we need to pay attention to a better way. And that's what the Bible then. The Bible always gives us hope. It gives us the truth. Like, here's the problem. If we let ourselves go, we're going to be in this big mess. But now here's, here's the truth. Here's godly wisdom. Here's how we do it. Verse 13. But who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. Okay? Like we think about Earthly and ungodly wisdom, it was rooted in selfishness. Godly wisdom is rooted in meekness. Okay, it's a big difference. In meekness, sometimes translated humility. And the result is peace and righteousness. Okay, do you want disorder and vileness or do you want peace and righteousness? And that's the, that's the, these are being played against each other. And godly wisdom is rooted in meekness. And meekness is strength under control. It's really the picture of a horse that is bridled. A horse that is now mastered and doing what it's supposed to do. It's a picture of a person who has surrendered to God and his ways and to his word. It's an understanding that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. (laughs) That's the beginning. To know that there is a God in heaven who loves us. And he is holy. And Pastor Jared and I were talking about this as we were driving over here this morning. That both of us had an experience yesterday that kind of shook us up a bit. And it made us realize there is a God out there who is holy and we are not. (laughs) And we tremble at his feet and his power. His justice. 
and also his mercy and grace and forgiveness. But I want you to see, unlike the natural wisdom which comes from within us, this wisdom is from above. This wisdom comes from outside of us. This is an important theological principle. It's supernatural. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above, coming from the outside, from above to us, is pure and then peaceable and gentle, open to reason, fully of mercy, good works, impartial and sincere. So this wisdom is received. James 1.21 says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. It's gracious, it's undeserved, and it's given by God. It doesn't come through striving or our effort, but it comes through yielding to God and his spirit. Okay, it's really important. So meekness, as the root of this wisdom, is a humble realization of where we come from, who we are naturally, and what God has given to us and done for us. We've been shown mercy, so now show mercy. Freely you've received, now freely give. It affects the way you live. And when we really live this way, it's, it's wise. It is peaceable. It is gentle. It is open to reason. It is merciful. Let's think about this. This wisdom that comes from above is peaceable. You know, <clears throat> the Bible promises, if we'll just believe it, <laughs> right, that God will meet all our needs in Christ Jesus. Every need you have, he will meet. He promises to do so. Furthermore, Psalm 139 says that he goes before us, carving out a way for us, comes behind us and protects us. And he lays his hand of blessing on us as we go. Now, if we believe this, we'll be at peace. Because that means God's going to take care of us. I was just in L.A. this last weekend. You know when you go into L.A.? I love L.A., by the way. I know I'm crazy. Again, I love lawyers. I love L.A. Kind of like. <laughs> but I love it. I love the energy of the place. But when you go in there, you're kind of on your guard. Like, they're going to come after me, right? It's a dog-eat-dog culture. Everybody's for themselves. Everybody's trying to get on top of the other. All this worldly wisdom stuff. That we're that's, this is L.A. to a T. And I go, okay, like where am I going to park my car? Right? So it won't get ripped off. This is how we think about it when you're out there. And then I say, you know what? If they want to take God's car, let them deal with God. Right? Because he's going to take care of me. That's the attitude. This Last week I heard somebody or of somebody who is saying some things about me that just were absolutely not true. And I thought, that's, you know, right? Claws come out a little bit. But no, God's got my reputation. God's in charge of me. He'll protect me. I don't have to do that. And I can be at peace. I can relax. You see, that's the point here. We're peaceable because we have everything we need and God is taking before, coming before us and laying his hand a blessing on us. Furthermore, it says here he's... That, that this kind of wisdom is gentle, means to be considerate and kind, that God attends to me so I can attend to others. He's taking care of me. I can just obey and, and walk in his blessing and be a blessing because he has blessed me. It says it's open to reason. 
That means to listen to others. That's what it means to be meek and humble, to realize, you know, we don't always know it all. We're not always right. Have you noticed this? I mean, sometimes we think wrongly about something, and we can learn things from others. In fact, it is one of the great things about being human is God puts other people around us to help us and to learn and to grow and and to be blessed. What a gift it is. And if we just open our ears and listen instead of always talk, we would find greater blessing. I, I love, it's the joy of my life, working with younger pastors and teaming with them. And I, had a, I was talking to one uh, this week, and he was saying how much of a blessing I had been to him. And I just said, you've got to realize, I learned so much from you. Thank you for just being with me in ministry in this city. And just to learn from each other, it is such a glorious thing. And God says, be open to others. Listen. Be reasonable as God's people. This is wisdom. It says this wisdom is merciful. I have been treated mercifully, so I do the same. Let's be merciful to each other. He has been so merciful to us and forgiven us. Slow to judgment and trusting God with all righteous judgment in the end. Well, to close, the, the, the results of this wisdom and rooted in meekness, it says, is peace and righteousness. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't peace sound good to you? Oh, it just makes you breathe. Like, if we'll let this wisdom, rooted in meekness, invade our lives from the outside, we have a harvest of peace. And I, and I think about that as our church, and I'm thankful that in so many ways as we look at this text, this speaks well of our church. It's a place of peace. And this verse says that when it is a place of God's wisdom filled with peace, that there is a harvest of righteousness. People grow in a place of peace. People grow in an environment filled with grace, the things we've been talking about. People grow in a place that's gentle and open to reason. When this place is invaded with God's wisdom, people grow. They blossom, they find healing, they find new beginnings, they find strength, they flourish and they prosper and we see God's people experiencing that here because it's a place of peace and why we must be careful to protect it. And it comes from putting our eyes on Jesus whom the Bible says is our wisdom. Sandy and team, you can come on up. It says 1 Corinthians 1, Verse 30, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God. Jesus manifests all this to us, who humbly came and died on a cross so that we can have new life. It's not what we do. That's the natural stuff. It's what he has done for us and set us free. And it says that when we receive him and his wisdom, that we should never boast in ourselves, but only in the Lord, because every good thing that we have is from God. It's not us. It's not ours that we're smarter than the next guy or stronger than the next guy or better than the next guy. It's God has been gracious to us and good to us. And so we rejoice in him and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us and surrender our lives to him as a thank offering. It's Memorial Day weekend. <clears throat> and it's a weekend to celebrate those who have sacrificed
and paid the ultimate price so that we can walk in the blessings of America. And, and you know, as much trouble as there is here in America, do you recognize how blessed of a place this is to live and how blessed we are to be here? But this isn't because we're smart or we're better than anybody else. It's because people have laid down their life to protect this nation so that we have the freedoms that we have today. And our response should be thankfulness. Not bragging, oh, we're so smart, our businesses are so good. Well, you don't even have a business if those people hadn't died for us. And so we rejoice in that and we say thank you for that. And it's a great pointer to our Savior who died for our sins so that we can be forgiven and made new and walk in the blessings of God. You know, we are a blessed church. Do you know how blessed we are? This place is filled with people who love Jesus and want to walk with him. We've got a summer of activities for our youth and our kids and a ton of workers for VBS. And we're going. Like, this is going to be a fun summer here. But this is a blessing. It's not because we're better or smarter or tougher than anybody else. We've just been blessed by God. We've just surrendered ourselves to him. And we get to enjoy some tacos this afternoon here. Like, as soon as Pastor Kevin gets done, if he'd hurry up and get over this. <laughs> because God is good. Everything we have, everything we have is because of his amazing grace. Don't boast in yourself, but boast in the cross who through the cross provides every good thing for those who will trust in him. Everything we have. Everything we are, everything we ever will be is because of his amazing grace. Let's sing together.